So we're in a Christmas season. I, at least I feel like I finally am. I don't know about, some of you were in Christmas season way before Halloween, which is interesting to me. But uh, I feel like I'm finally getting into the Christmas season. So with the lights and the parties that are planned and shopping for gifts and all of that and baking cookies and whatnot. We saw some cookies left over in the kitchen from apparently a group that was baking some amazing cookies. So I think we claimed them all, didn't we? I think we claimed them all. I totally should have go put those in our office. Well, anyway, through all of the, the hustle and the bustle that is American-style Christmas, come on, we can lose the reason for the season. I know you've been challenged with that before, and every time somebody posts it on Facebook every year, remember the reason for the season, and I know, I know that I sometimes feel challenged about that, and we can sometimes become passive about the actual reason that we're celebrating, and, and the secondary thing sometimes can become the lordship of Jesus Christ, you know, as we navigate through what I call a cultural Christmas. And um, so I entitled this series In Search of a King, and it's not that Jesus isn't found. Come on, we're, we're already following him, so I know that. But I want to talk about specifically the word king and the lordship of Jesus Christ, because I feel like sometimes we can, in our cultural Messiness and even, come on, even cultural American Christianity, if I may say so, the lordship and the kingship of Jesus is sometimes lost. He becomes a fluffy character like a baby in a manger, cutesy. Sorry for dissing all your nativity scenes. I have one at home too. But it can become just that. Right, Or it can become a cross around your neck or just like a cultural symbol, you know, a Sunday go-to-meeting type person and event that we've added into our lives. But I'm, I'm here to declare to you in this series, this week, next week, and I want to finish the week following Christmas too, to declare again that Jesus Christ is not just a happy-go-lucky Santa Claus type figure who meets some of your needs, if you're good. But he is indeed king and wants to be Lord of our lives. Can we say amen this morning? That's where we're headed. I've entitled this specific message in this series, Are You Expecting a King? Uh, man, when my story began at age 19 and I said, I need Jesus, I, I really, looking back over the, that season, I think I needed rescuing from all of my craziness. I needed rescuing from a party head lifestyle. And and from just doing life my way and making a royal mess of it. Can anybody relate to me this morning? But I did not immediately understand that I didn't just need healing and rescuing. I needed someone to be in charge of my life because I was not doing well at leading my life. Does that make sense? And so the lordship and what I call the kingship of Jesus Christ came into focus the more that I grew in the knowledge of who he really was in my life. It's not that, I'm not preaching a, a salvific message. In other words, I'm not questioning your salvation if you're here in the Lord and your knowledge of the Lord is here compared to here. That's not what I'm talking about. You're saved, sealed, sanctified by the blood of Jesus. But I'm talking about growing into a kingship awareness and it causes more surrender. Man, I would cry out to Jesus for take the wheel. Come on, I made a mess. Take the wheel, Lord Jesus. Like, lead my life. And then when my life was, was looking pretty good, I'd take the wheel again. Come on, somebody. This is happening again and again, right? So, oh, thank you, Lord, for rescuing me from the nutcase and the, the nutty lifestyle that I created. Now I got it. And then I try to do it again, right? And about a year later, I'm on my knees again going, okay, Lord, I wasn't built for this. I don't know that I can be a Christian. 
right? Because I make a mess of things. And he was like, how about when I become Lord and I take the wheel, you keep me in that spot, right? How about you become a passenger in this whole thing called Christianity and allow the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. According to Philippians 2, 9 and 11 says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we read this before, but I want to read it again in, in this series because there's, there's, there's moments that you can have, you know, with the Lord that are pivotal, life-changing. And then you get to a place where, wait a minute, wait a minute. He is Lord and he's here and I'm here. And I bow before him in surrender. And it's culturally acceptable nowadays, in most places anyway, not in some other countries, but here anyway, it's culturally acceptable to add religion to your life. There's a general consensus of you do you and I'll do me, right? And so even my kids, I asked them what they're experiencing in public school, and it was generally that, you do you and I do me. We're all kind of okay together. We just don't ever question each other. You know, we don't ever uh, point out where the other person should be challenged, you know, you do you, right? So it's culturally acceptable to add Jesus to your life and place Jesus or God into your lifestyle in certain ways, and especially at certain times of the year. Come on, Easter and Christmas predominantly. Uh, the devil has really no problem with this, um, surprisingly, and doesn't create much of a fuss, maybe, and, or, or work to oppose us very much. I would say unless and until, unless or until we decide that Jesus is not just a good luck charm that we hang around our necks or a seasonal holiday that we're celebrating, but instead he becomes king. And now we're led by a higher power. We're led by a supernatural entity that calls himself Lord. Either he's Lord or he's not, right? And we get then to decide how much our lives are lived in surrender to that. And that's when people start to question your life. Okay, now you're, now you're a little bit a fanatic. Now you're a Jesus freak. Come on, somebody. Remember the days of Jesus freak? Um, my age. I'm going to hang out with youth to feel younger, but back in the day, one of the first, <laughs> one of the first Christian rock songs was Jesus freak. All right. So we've entered into a kingdom then, right? And it's a place of surrender to a king that is over the kingdom that is not of this world. And, and then we become led by something that is not of this world as well. Um, I would have to say about the American uh, lifestyle, you know, I've lived in America all my life, and so I would say we we're incredibly blessed, but the American lifestyle, the American culture, does not lend itself well to kingdom mindset. Ouch. I know I stepped on your patriotic toes, and I'm very patriotic too. Um, and we fought for freedom, and I believe in all this. We fought for freedom from a tyrannical king, right? Um, because I believe that was right to, to get our, our freedom won from the, the tyrannical government that was trying to control this nation. Our, for, our forefathers developed what I would call, by the grace of God, and I know God was definitely involved in the forefathers' ability to create a nation, a different way to lead a country, and thus we can honor leadership. But in our culture, we don't kneel before the king, right? That's not what we do. Matter of fact, you know, we hardly honor the presidency, quite frankly. Um, that's probably not our fault. <laughs> this is not very honored right now. It's, it's kind of like, wow, crazy begets crazy. But anyway, anyway uh, I'm just saying it's not really cultural, for us, like it would have been in England or even some countries that still exist, right or wrong. I'm not I'm saying we need a tyrannical king, but it's not cultural for us to kneel before a king. Does that make sense? 
You see Queen Elizabeth, although she's gone now, now it's, now it's king. Uh, but but we come into the presence, you're supposed to bow or curtsy or even, or even kneel. And um, I've never had that honor, but, but that's what you'd be um, expected to do. Um, I want to read something from John Adams. Uh, he was uh, uh, to the Massachusetts militia back in uh, October 11th of 1798. He said this, and he said a lot of other great things in this writing. You should look it up. He said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And so if you read that whole document, he's going on to say what we believe we're creating is from God himself as well. God was involved in what we're creating, the government of a nation. But he said, if people stop having God as their king, God is king of their hearts. Look at this. If, if people stop bending the knee and surrender to God as king, this constitution won't work either. And if you look across this nation, you can see what's happening is stiff-necked people and people that are not what I call part of the bent knee society, right? But we hang on to our own egos and we haven't acknowledged enough that we have a king. He's not of this world, but he's still king of our hearts and he rules this nation. At least he rules our hearts in such a way that he governs our behavior, right? And that's what the Constitution was actually created for. And by God's grace, we can, we can call upon him again to move across this nation in such a way. I believe, again, I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I believe the next move of God that we see will be, will be laced with humility. This thing where the, where the bended knee and surrender to God as king will be prevalent again in our day. Right? And even some of the haughty preachers that we see who, who seem a little arrogant. No, I'm picking on people like myself. You know, there, we, need, we need preachers that are part of the bent knee society. Come on, somebody. And surrender again um, to say, I don't have it all together, but I know who does. So has the Christmas season, I'm just wondering now, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions today to ponder. Has the Christmas season ever caused you to pause and consider King Jesus, or are you wrapped up in all the other cultural Christmas focuses of the day? That's my main, main question for today. In Revelation eleven fifteen, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there was loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Somebody say reign. He's going to reign forever and ever. Are you expecting a king? Have you recently anticipated a life of surrender to his will and his ways? And come on, in every area of your life. Are you just glad that he's gotten on board with you in your passenger seat? Or are you anticipating that he's coming to lead every area of our lives? Now, the Advent season, um, we don't talk about this a lot in modern-day church, but the Advent season, I don't actually know when this all came about, um, but many, I think it was centuries ago, it's the four weeks leading up to Christmas that's called Advent, and um, a lot of denominations still, you know, um, talk along these lines and preach along these lines, but it's leading up to the birth of Jesus, right? And then it means reflection and preparation is really the two highlights of the Advent season. I'm reflecting and I'm preparing for a king. A little bit like a John the Baptist kind of ministry, right? Uh, prepare the way for the king. Uh, but it's also preparing the way for the king um, historically, but also preparing our hearts for the return of the king, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the main themes in the Advent season are hope, peace, love, and joy, right? Right? 
And so it's like saying, is there still room in my heart? Have I made way and have I allowed so much clutter that in this Advent season leading up to the birth of Christ, uh, am I actually and honestly preparing his coming? I want to look at some of the characters surrounding the biblical Christmas story and bring out their anticipation and take a closer look. I can't mention them all, but today I'm going to mention two, maybe three. And look at what they experience and, and how it points to what they were expecting versus what uh, you or I might be expecting today. Um, by the way, the word Messiah and Christ uh, both mean like anointed one. So today I want to look at Mary and Elizabeth's journey and possibly Joseph. So starting in Luke 1, 26, and I'm going to read some of this and put some of it on the screen. So listen, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel uh, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, and he was of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. How many of you would be freaked out if an angel popped into your house just like that? Me too, still waiting for that to happen. Uh, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled uh, at the saying, yeah, I would be too, tried to, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Means Emmanuel, anointed one, uh, uh, God with us, right? I want you to listen to this part carefully. And then he, uh, like this angel, told her exactly who this child would be in advance. She wasn't just expecting a baby. The angel said, he's going to be great and will be called the son of the most high. Wow, that's big right there. That, that's that's got to be very overwhelming just to, just to listen to that verbiage. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, because they were of the lineage of, of King David. And he will reign, somebody say reign, over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Mary had to not just absorb that she was going to have a child, not yet, not yet being married, right? Not yet being fully with Joseph, right? Let the reader understand and read between the lines. There's no way for her to get pregnant naturally. And she had to absorb that. But then she had to absorb the idea that she was giving birth to God, to, to the king. And not only, not only just a king, but her own king, king of the universe and king of the Jews. So it's not just you're going to have a baby, Mary. It's how about you give birth to a new king? I mean, it reminds me of Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born. This is years, hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. A prophet Isaiah. Unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, his rulership, his kingship, and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forward and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It sounds ironically similar to what the angel was telling Mary. I want to read on just a little bit in Luke 1, starting at 34 again. Mary said to the angel, how is this going to be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power, of the, Holy, the, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. 
because he's no longer barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your will. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose, and she went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judea. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, which was her baby, who uh, was now six months along, the baby leaped in her womb. I could pause right there and say why I'm pro-life. Thank you very much, somebody. The baby already was leaping and dancing for joy at the coming king. Come on. Amen and amen. So Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, and I want you to listen to this next part. Uh, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, my King, my Savior, my Messiah, See, they would use the word Lord for master and sir, for prince and chief, even for the Roman emperor, God, Messiah, all interchangeably uh, in various ways. And she was pausing right there to say, and getting a revelation that this lady is carrying a new king, a coming king in her womb. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, she said, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then blessed she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Let's pause and consider Joseph real quick too, because Joseph then was like, whoa, (laughs) the one who's betrothed to me, engaged, we use the word engaged in our culture, is pregnant already. This should not be happening. And then back in those days, it was stoning to death or certain divorce for sure. You didn't always have to do stoning, but certainly you could not marry someone that had cheated on you like that. That was against, against the law. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, this is Mary's uh, soon-to-be husband. Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, right? For he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And so I want, I want to bring that out, too, because he himself also heard, felt a dream, had a revelation that, that his, his uh, soon-to-be wife was giving birth to more than just a child an average child, but a coming king, whose name would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Imagine, uh, I don't know, I just was thinking, you know, the, one of the most wonderful times was when I was engaged to Alicia leading up to our wedding with so much to look forward to. Man, if I would have heard such a thing, I'd have been like, yeah, I'm out of here. See you guys. I'll keep looking, right? <laughs> Obviously, God forbid. But, but then to have a visitation to say, hey, do what I'm asking you to do because this is a God thing and your, your, your future wife is not just giving birth to a baby. She's just giving birth to Emmanuel, which is God with us. He's God of the people. Stunning things. And we can read over this Christmas story hundreds of times and go, you know, I'm miss, am I missing something here? But it, it's, there's wow factors. But we know that the gospels unfold and unfold. And um, I want to summarize a little bit that Jesus did not arrive like a new King Herod, right? He didn't, he didn't arrive like the king that some of them thought he would be to deliver them from people like King Herod. He wasn't even like a King David or a King Solomon. He was not that interested in political uh, uh, you know, offices of the day. He wasn't interested in sitting on 
a throne made by human hands or in a castle made by human hands, right? Uh, but instead, he said, I'm going to sit on the throne of people's hearts. And I'm going to offer instead to people things like my abiding presence, uh, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit. I'm going to offer to them things like total forgiveness and eternal life with me. And I'm going to offer to them transcendent peace. It's called peace that passes understanding. Amen, somebody? I'm going to offer them as a king truth that sets people free, answered prayers and love and joy and fruitfulness in good works and spiritual rewards and ultimately a heavenly home. God knew that changed hearts would change the world, not another Middle East war. Amen? Because when you change the hearts of man, then governments change as well. And Jesus came as a different kind of king. Jesus gripped the souls and minds of mankind and offered to them a power. He said, I'm a king, but I'm a king that's going to bestow on you what I call a life transformed, a life renewed and forgiven and unconditionally loved. And so therefore, what we see happening as you unpack the gospels is a benevolent king, not a king that comes again to take a percentage of all you grow and all that you earn and take all your maidservants and things like that because uh, kings in that, in that time and in that season as you read the history would take, 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 take. I'm taking all the men from my army. I'm taking all the food from my household. right? I'm taking all of your lands and everything belonged to the king. Now we have a benevolent king on the scene who's God in the flesh. He's 100% worthy of honor and worship and adoration and reverence but now it's one who gives and serves, and provides, and saves, and heals, and delivers. Can I get a Berks County amen? Does not demand something that you cannot give. He does not coerce or manipulate people. He's not a crooked politician. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Not prone to lies or toxic behavior or narcissistic behaviors. Come on. But is altogether lovely, defined as good, he is the definition of what is good and then lays down his life for the redemption of all mankind. And suddenly you say, this is the kind of king that I can bow before. Not somebody that I have to bow before in coercion or manipulation because I don't want to get beheaded. Now it's somebody that mankind wants to bow before and worship because he's just that good and he's just that lovely. And, I, and then we get to choose to say, Lord, Lord, my Lord, and my Savior, and my King. How do, I, how do I practically apply some of these truths today and these realities to my life? And is it just a Christmas story? Or, or how? I always like to ask every time I preach, how is it relevant to you tomorrow morning? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of y'all leave this place. You're going to go to work tomorrow morning, uh, most of you anyway. And if I haven't given you something to ponder that goes beyond a church service, um, I don't know why I'm saying all that, but I just really think that this Christmas season, I've been in a season of like, this better be relevant. I'm not really into celebrating unless it's relevant to my life. Come on, somebody. I like Christmas trees. I like Christmas gifts, cookies, I'm trying to stay away from the cookies. But I want the message to be relevant to my life. Okay, okay. Number one, number one. Have you accepted Jesus as king? Somebody say king. Now, again, I'm not questioning your salvation. If you leave here and you're not sure that you've gotten saved, we would love to pray with you. We'll give an opportunity 
for that. But even those of us that are walking with the Lord, have we considered the lordship and what I call the kingship? And Jesus got rejected along these lines. I would say it's why he got rejected because he said, I'm God. Basically, you know, you know, there's a lot of prophets that came before Jesus and some were accepted and some weren't. Some were crucified and some were generally accepted as as people who were coming to, you know, stir up political dissent and things like that. But Jesus, man, he really ruffled feathers when he said, I'm, I'm the king of the Jews. <laughs> it is as you say. Right. OK. So Luke 17, 25 says, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by the generation. Now, I want to stop and say, sometimes I really feel like this generation is at that same place. Again, a cultural Christianity is okay, but a kingship mindset is another thing altogether. And there's a lot of Christians in our day, so-called Christians. I let God decide who's who and, 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 and filter, filter through all that. But you can still say, I reject the complete lordship of my life. I'm still the man in charge or the woman in charge. Jesus was rejected by the world, the Roman court system, and the Jews, and especially the Jewish leaders, some of his followers even, and then, and then even some of his disciples, actually, like Judas, for example, and then even Peter went through a season where he's like rejecting him, who's later restored and repented, right? Uh, some of y'all read that story, but um, for this reason, and then it says in John 1, 12, 13, listen, but to all who did receive him, somebody say receive him. That is, I receive him for who he actually is, who believed in his name, who gave the right to become, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. And so I'm, I'm going to move on, but I'm asking questions today. See, we're in a season of Advent, right? And we're, it's, it's the season of pondering and expectation and questioning and, 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 and saying, am I filled with hope and joy and expectation for what's about to happen? Now, I know, I know we're beyond the cross and we're beyond the birth of Jesus, but I want to point back to this season in the area of kingship, and I want, you, I want to put you in a place of pondering and looking at your life. Have I accepted Jesus as king among all the other things that he absolutely is? Number two... Are you part of the bent knee society? I want to talk a little bit more about this next week, um, looking at how folks came, and they, some of them traveled far, like the three wise men. Um, they came pretty far to bend the knee. Um, but Ephesians 3.14 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And I just read that earlier. But if Philippians 2.10 says something very similar, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. I have a simple question, simple question for you this morning. When is the last time you felt led to bend the knee? You know, if you look at all the words for praise or worship or the word rejoice, you can do Google studies on this if you feel like it, but there's a worship word and I didn't look it up today, but there's a, a, a word specifically for worship or praise that was bending the knee. And, and in other words, bowing before him, right? Come let us adore him, right? And so you picture them coming in to find the Christ child, and they weren't bowing before just a baby. Not the shepherds, not the wise men, not Mary and Joseph. You know, they were looking at an up-and-coming 
king, someone who would be born king of the Jews, but king of our hearts. And so I'm asking you the question, when is the last time, maybe it's in worship, maybe in the privacy of your home, maybe some of you are like, and I can't bow down, I'd never get back up, I'd need someone to help. (laughs) So maybe it's more of a heart posture, that's okay. It's a heart posture, really, honestly, it's a heart posture. But it is a form of worship. And it's, it's more common in those days than it is in our day, which is kind of sad to me, you know, sometimes where we've lost some, I would say, expressions of worship because of modern church worship styles, but bending the knee was quite normal, right? You learn to, and, and again, it's cultural because here in America, uh, I'm going to pause right here and just get on a soapbox. I tend to do this now and then, but I just feel like it. I feel like preaching at just the men for a moment. Come on, men. Where are you? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Good. Only five of you, really? Uh-huh, I see how you are. Now, there's something, and, and I'm with you. I'm going to preach at you and with you. Are you ready? Our male ego has got to go. It's not, it's not that I don't want men to have a healthy sense of, of maleness. Is that okay? I'm not toxic. You're not, you're not toxic because you're a man. I, I reject the culture that's like that. There's something about the man, especially in American culture, that says, I'm in charge. And it's, very, it's much more difficult for us than it is for our female counterparts, no offense, to bow the knee and become part of the bent knee society. Because we have this thing that says, I'm the provider, you know, I am the protector, I am this, and all that stuff is great. But what women are looking for, so some of you that aren't married yet, don't raise your hand, if, unless you want to. And I'll fix you, Alicia and I will go to work fixing you up with somebody, but... <laughs> But I'm going to tell you what women are looking for. If women are already married to you or they're not, they're looking for a macho man who bends the knee to a higher Lord and Savior. And that is not anti-American. Amen, somebody? I don't care how big your gun is. I don't care how big your grill is. If you can fry 100 steaks at a time, good for you. (laughs) I haven't done that yet. But there is a bent knee society that God is calling real men into where they surrender their hearts before him and say, you're the king and I'm not. And I'm going to leave my household that way. Amen, somebody. Okay, good. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. I've been carrying that for about three years. (laughs) Number three, who's leading your life? Number three, who is actually leading your life? And I said, you know, when I was learning to, learning to follow Jesus, I would, I would say, wow, I've made a mess of it. Please lead my life. And I would, I would try to pray and get in tune with the Holy Spirit, like, what am I to do? And then God would help me through a mess or get out of a mess or through a crazy relationship or something like that. And then I'd be like, thank you, God, for rescuing me. God was my rescuer, and he was my savior for a lot of toxic relationships and a lot of, so we say, addictions and just bad habits and bad behavior. But it took me a while to keep him in that place to where I say, you are Lord and I'm not. And come on, the challenge still today is to take over your own life again and to say, I want to do things my way, not necessarily pausing to say, God, what do you think about this? John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How can the Holy Spirit guide us if we're busy guiding our own lives, right? So it's time again in this season to maybe open up the word again and again and say, I am am led by the power of the Holy Spirit through what he's already said 
in, in the canon of scriptures, but also listening for the still small voice. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us as believers, and he's there to lead and to guide us into all truth. And Romans 8, 14 says, for all who are led by God, led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God or daughters of God. Those are the ones that belong to my kingdom, those who are led by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Now listen to this part. This part is actually not, not what we like here in America. I'm just saying, it says you are not your own. Somebody say, oi. I, I would rather skip over some of these parts of, of Scripture because it says you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We can live our best lives when we know who we belong to and we know who is leading and guiding us and we bow the knee to King Jesus and say, I'm not going to do so well on my own. Come on, Pastor Vern, do you really need a crutch? I need 100 crutches. I don't know about you. I really don't, I'm really not, I'm really not saying what I need is one main crutch and his name is Jesus. And if you want to look at it that way, I don't view it as that. I view it as a, a full surrender to who is king. And if I can continually stay in a place or get quickly back to a place where I say, you're God and I'm not. I'm telling you, it's better for my family. It's better for my marriage. It's better for the relationship with my kids. It's better for my relationship with you. I don't know what you want in a pastor, but you don't want an egocentric, narcissistic pastor who has not learned to bow the knee in humanity humility to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If I am a good pastor, and I hope to be, and I want to be, I believe that I'm learning to be. Is that okay? If I am, I will actually get busy pointing you to the King of Kings and the Lord, the great shepherd himself, because that's where I find my sustenance, right? Why would you find your sustenance in me? It doesn't work that way. I am busy pointing you to the King himself who can shepherd you for a lifetime. Long after I retired to Florida, amen, somebody. <laughs> that, it works that way, right? And you as leaders of your household, leaders of your businesses, leaders of your families, come on, leaders in your school and in your colleges, when people encounter a humility of people who are a part of the bent knee society and a, and a full surrender and they carry that with them and they don't make quick, quick rash decisions based on, you know, the whims of the day and the, the pressures from social media, uh, which are thousands, by the way. You know, it's almost a scary place for kids to be nowadays. All the peer pressures coming at them and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a higher one that I'm falling that I need to pause and check in with. I need some time of prayer before I do this or buy this or make this decision. My question is, who is ruling and who is leading your life? Does my life reflect that I'm guided? and led and submitted to a higher power, a benevolent king that still requires surrender, humility, and worship. Let's say surrender, humility, and worship. Surrender and humility and worship. And then, then, and then in return, he leads, he guides, he directs, and he blesses my life. Amen, somebody. I have, I have a final story to share with you. I heard it this week because Alicia's listening to an audio book, and her name is Viola Davis. She's an actress in uh, the famous movie called The Help. Have you, if you've seen The Help, if you have, and it's really good, it's really worth, worth watching. Uh, on her journey through her childhood and extremely abusive childhood and 
toxic and bro broken relationships of all kind and well into her adulthood. She did not know the Lord and, and was, went through one toxic relationship after another. Just horrendous things happening in her life. I don't have time to tell her whole story. Obviously, go, go listen to her audio book. I guess it's her autobiography, right? Um, so she was at one point seeking really good companionship, um, a husband. And uh, she was telling this to a friend that she was working with. She was said, I need a good and a safe man, you know, to marry and someone that provides for me well and doesn't abuse me, right? And so she encountered a friend that she was working with and he told her, he told her this, um, are, you, are you up for, you know, a suggestion? She said, of course, tried everything else. And he said to her, go home, kneel before God. Well, go home to the privacy of your home and kneel before God and ask for specifically what you want. May be as specific as possible. And, uh, and he said, you gotta be very specific or he's just gonna send you a man. <laughs> so she was, and her autobiography is really funny at this point because she has the whole list of what she's looking for in a man. You know, a big, solid black man, you know, and full of life and full, I forget. I, I didn't write all that down, but it was just funny listening to her long list of what I want in a healthy man. And uh, so she did. She said, here I am, Lord. And her prayer is just hilarious. When you read her book, she's like, she doesn't know God, but she's starting to pray. It's like, hey, God, my name is Viola Davis. I'm just introducing myself to you. <laughs> it's great. And so she did this. And within a short period of time, she met someone through her work. She was involved in a movie at the time. She met the man. And get what the first thing he did is invited her to church. And, and the rest is history. He's now her husband, and she's a Christian woman, and has come, come to the knowledge of her Lord. But it started with joining the Bent Knee Society first, right? And she, and she cried out to God, who actually did, did hear her and meet her every need. And I just wanted to share that today because it just so fit with what I've been pondering in this Christmas season. Um, last night, we, we visited uh, Lifeway, our, our I was going to say old church. It's not an old church, but <laughs> our previous church. Um, they have Christmas productions going on. And, and funny, I, I sort of discovered they're kind of in the same, same vein. And so when they were singing some of the Christmas songs, there was a picture of a manger behind us. And it was almost like a holy moment where you felt like you just wanted to run on the stage and bow before the child in a manger. But it was the king in a manger. Right, and, and that's what season I believe that we're in. And, and I didn't, I didn't you know, his name is Jimmy Nyman. I didn't actually call Jimmy and say, what's the theme of your Christmas series? And I didn't do that, right? And, and I didn't know. I actually didn't know until last night, but it's, it's a similar theme. And there's something God is doing across this nation. There's something God is doing in churches and in families and in lives everywhere, I believe, where he's calling us into an awareness of who he really is. And he's reestablishing, if he has to, establishing and reestablishing his lordship, his kingship, to where we get familiar, even in a crazy American culture, with bowing the knee before a king, and that becomes a normal lifestyle. So today is a day of pondering. It's a time of introspection, if you know what that word means, like maybe inner diagnosis, I don't know, a season of anticipation and expectation a king is coming. A king has come and is coming, right? How flexible are your knees? Have I bowed to him or am I ready to surrender to his lordship? And I'm going to add in every area of my life. Am I okay with Jesus wanting to lead, to direct, 
and to be king in my life. Would you stand with me today? Somebody say, Jesus Christ is Lord. When I'm wondering if you're here today and you've just been suddenly thrust into this Christmas season and I don't know if you're looking at, you know, Elf on the Shelf or Santa Claus or, or what, what tweaks you about Christmas. Maybe it's the gifts. Maybe it's time with family. Or maybe you actually don't like the Christmas season. Some of you are like, man, I can't wait for this to be over. And some of you aren't really enjoying time with family. But there's one thing collectively that I believe God is after and he's after our hearts, and it's a position of our hearts going into this Christmas season that allows, allows a full surrender and a bowing the knee to who he really is. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, lead, right? Every eye closed for just a moment, and we, we do this just to give people some personal space to think about it. Listen, if you're here today and you're like, I haven't bowed the knee, I have not really declared Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior, or my King. It's just not familiar to me. If you've never done that, I would love for you to raise your hand. If you want to do that today, and we're going to pray with you in a moment. I see you, sir. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. Thank you, God, for bringing him here today. Anybody else? We're going to pray with you before we move and dismiss. In Jesus' name. If there's anybody online, type it in there. Recognize you guys online. Type it in there. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's all pray together, shall we? Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross, to forgive my sins, and to reconcile my relationship back to you. Jesus, thank you for the finished work of the cross for sending your precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me completely as I repent of all my sins and I receive your love and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's applaud those who said yes to Jesus. It's added to his kingdom today and the angels are rejoicing with us. If you just prayed that prayer, what I'd love for you to take a moment before you leave and scan that QR code in front of you and fill out a connect card if you haven't done that yet and stop by the Next Step Station. We do have a book for you uh, to send along with you if you're new to following Jesus Christ. And we bless you on your journey. I want to invite prayer teams to come forward now and uh, minister to you. Some of you are really in, in a pickle. And I sense that even as I came in this morning, some of you are wondering how you're going to make it through this season. There's toxic things going on in some of our lives. There's a storm that some of you are in, and Christmas doesn't make it any better. <laughs> Sometimes Christmas makes things worse, or any holiday for that matter. I would love for you to make your way to the front so we can pray for you. Um, but if, you, if you're just saying, man, I want to further surrender my life, to, or there's a specific area in my life that is not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I gave up in some area, man. I, I used to pray for these things to happen. I used to believe for a miracle, and I just stopped because it gets so tiring. Some of you are being revitalized that in hope is returning in this Advent season leading up to the coming King saying, I'm allowed to hope again for a deliverer, for someone who can rescue my life from the pit of hell and place my feet upon a solid rock again. You need prayer. We want to pray with you and for you and believe for all that God wants to do in your life. So let's just, let me pray one more time. If some of you can start making your way up front, there's prayer teams up here and more can join us. We'll make sure all of you get 
get more prayer as we go. But Lord Jesus, let's just pray one more time. Lord Jesus, for all who are struggling in this Christmas season and are wondering how they can get through it, Lord, I declare that you save, heal, deliver, and provide in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Touch their lives, Lord, in a way they haven't felt any other Christmas season or any other season for that matter. Lord, save and heal and deliver and provide for them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Well, hey, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. He's making your face to shine upon you. He's filling you with hope and anticipation in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody? All right, come forward if you want prayer. I love you guys like crazy. See you soon.